What does it mean to keep your word, and why is it so important? Today on Wonderfully Weird Living with Pastor Drake, we'll be reminded that Jesus calls his followers to let your yes be yes and your no be no. Drake Hunter is senior pastor at Elevating Life Church in Fort Morgan, Colorado, founder of the nonprofit Four Dimensional Living, as well as the author of three books, including Wonderfully Weird. Now, this week's edition of Wonderfully Weird Living with Pastor Drake Hunter. Well, we do welcome you back once again to Wonderfully Weird Living with Pastor Drake. I'm your host, John Waters. Pastor Drake also here in studio with me. Hello. Hello and good morning, John. Well, glad to have you uh, here on your show. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I love being here, as you know. <laughs> well, hey, uh, some exciting news as uh, folks are hearing this uh, on the radio. You're actually heading out tomorrow to the West Coast. Yes, I'll be in Los Angeles uh, meeting with uh, my publisher uh, with the next book, Wonderfully Weird Goodness, uh, which is subtitled How to Build Good Character in Bad Times. Uh, excited about uh, uh, what's happening there. and We're moving forward with uh, that whole effort. And so hopefully that will be uh, published by summer. Of course, uh, need a lot of flexibility with all the different roles and responsibility. And, and so, yeah, pretty excited. My wife and I are going to fly out there. And then we're going we're gonna to just kind of kick back on the beaches of San Diego for a couple of days and visit some family and and really have a time that we can relax and just enjoy family and friends uh, uh, where back where I grew up. So I was gonna say that's excited. your home turf, but <laughs> I guess right. we should say your home beach. Yeah, home beach and exactly uh, <laughs> just the home I grew up in in my adolescent years is just a rock throw away from the condos we're staying uh, on the beach in Carlsbad, California, and that's that's where I went to high school and and then went into the military there. Well, very good. Well, uh, we'll be looking forward to hearing the report back uh, after you meet with the publisher and such. Yeah, excited. Thank you. Well, today, uh, the wonderfully weird command of Christ that we wanted to focus on is command number nine, which is keep your word. And as I said in the open, Jesus calls us as his followers to let our yes be yes, yes. and our no be no. But uh, that seems almost too simple, but uh, there's a lot in that. There's a lot into it. And of course, I mean, this is a very familiar teaching of Christ, I believe, with most Christians, because it comes directly out of Matthew 5, 37, which simply says all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And it's a, it's a simple command, but it's not easy to keep in the sense of what Jesus is teaching here, in the sense of uh, these, uh, his commands in the heart of the gospel. Because we know this, John. Uh, we know that keeping your word actually is part of integrity in life. Well, if we looked at God... The proper God, Yahweh, if you will, in the Old Testament, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, we see that he has, uh, you know, a, a purity aspect about himself. He also has, let's say, the love aspect of himself. But in between those two aspects, or should I say attributes, we have integrity. Okay. And then integrity, though, can be then broken down into different elements, which would be uh, genuineness what is known as veracity and faithfulness. Now, all three of those have to be honored if we're going to truly have integrity in the faith. Now, that simply means this. Genuineness means being true. 
Now, this is where this command sits, the next word I'm going to use here. It's known as veracity, and that just simply means telling the truth. Here Jesus is saying, keep your word because that's the picture of God and the image you need to reflect in the sense of who you are. And of course, we have faithfulness, and that is proving yourself to be true. But that is the, let's say, the content of that integrity. And if we are not honoring this command, keep your word in what it truly means, generally speaking and specifically, we need to, we have a problem. We lack integrity. So we got to fill in that gap, don't we? So that we can truly live a life that's going to be honoring and pleasing to God as we serve humanity. So again, that command, Matthew 537 simply says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So we're going to dive into that today, John, and really uh, dig deep. And we're going to go to uh, James 1 because he does a beautiful job here in the sense of uncovering really what this means, especially with the scattered Christians of his day, which we see today. One of the things that uh, you and I have talked about on numerous occasions that uh, we see in the Christian world today in the church here in the Western, in our Western culture is um, we have no problem saying yes. It's when we start saying no uh, and we'll use yes as a way of kind of getting the other person out of our hair, yes, uh, but not with Ooh. no intention Ooh. of following through on what we have said yes to. Yeah, we call that passive aggressive communication. Yes, absolutely. And that becomes, that's actually kind of very prevalent in the church today because you just become a people pleaser mm-hmm. and you say yes. And, uh, but uh, of course, is that what this command is uh, implying or even trying to teach? Well, yes and no. Can we say it that way today? All right. <laughs> Well, well, let's go to the command then. Keep your word and and kind of unpack that a little bit before we get to James 1. Yeah, I think the the important word here in just those simple three words that uh, give us a general idea of the command that sits in Matthew 537 is we got to understand the word keep. And keep simply means to guard something of value by keeping it before your eyes eyes. Now, we can think of the mind's eye here. I think oftentimes we get too practical and we're trying to see things uh, practically. But we we can go back to Hebrews chapter 11 and say, well, is that really faith? No, Hebrews 11 says otherwise. So uh, Jesus is saying we've got to keep, uh, we got to keep the, the word of God, or should I say his perspective, Uh, Jesus's teachings and our performance or that activity that we have in our life before our eyes. We have to be intentional with that. Or uh, if we're not keeping that, we're going to fall off and then we will become scattered in God the Father's direction and we'll miss the mark when it comes to functioning in the way of Christ. And then our actions will not be uh, telling the truth in the sense of that veracity of, in not only in our word, but in what we do. And so we'll be missing the mark. So we have to understand that we have to simply keep guard, if you will, of what we've committed to uh, in the sense of that now being that child of God, we're born again. And we have to keep uh, that before our eyes so that we can truly uh, un- uh, cast that picture of the image of who we say we are. So as Christians, we say with our words that God the Father uh, is, is the ultimate goodness. Are you keeping your word toward that goodness, towards that perspective, or towards that, can we say, worldview? That's the word I often use. But is that in your mind's eye? Or do you have a different view, 
perspective. Uh, perhaps you have a, a understanding of maybe your parents' worldview. Maybe it's your boss's worldview. Well, we got to be careful because that's one down and we have to keep guard of that ultimate perspective of God the Father's goodness or we'll, again, miss the mark every time. Does that make sense, John? Well, and something that occurred to me as you were saying that mm-hmm. is uh, we are having other worldviews mm-hmm. uh, drilled into us constantly through Always. the media, you know, television, radio, newspaper, magazines, whatever it is, yes. where we're being told what to think and how to think. Well, that's brilliant because, I mean, over the last good night, six months over the last year, every time you turn on a news, depending on the uh, the broadcaster or whoever that is producing that, they're trying to get their worldview across and they want you to capture it, be it on either side. And of course, we understand we don't fall into that worldview. And I'm not here to condemn that. I'm not here to try to shame anybody with that. But as Christians, what are we saying? What is our word? We said we are not committed to anything uh, ultimately that's one down from God the Father's goodness. And when you do that and then you take sides and then we begin to function in a way that is uh, hurtful and, and deceiving and conflict, oh my goodness, what happens is you are now in that category we're going to talk about here in a second as a scattered Christian. Because we are to be equally yoked in the perspective of the Father. Again, Jesus said, I'm always about my Father's business. And if that is missing in your Christian walk, then you're either one or two things, an orphan in the faith or a widow. And we're going to talk about that. There's a, an old saying of uh, uh, don't just walk the walk, but talk the talk. Or in this case, don't just talk the talk, yes. but walk the walk. Because uh, what you do, the nonverbal aspect yes. is so important. Well, and you know, it's interesting because when we say word, when you read the, the word, keeping your word, that word, we can say it this way, is verbally, that's your tongue. And then also non-verbally, that's your action. And both of those together must come together and uh, really express the image of God in the sense of who that is. And that's the wholeness of your word. Because we want to hold people accountable to their tongue. Yes, that's where it truly does begin because we should bridle our tongue. As James says in, in, in James 1, in the King James translation, we got to bridle our tongue. But at the same time, what you're doing is also casting, uh, you know, words. A pitcher, what, what's the saying, John, that a pitcher uh, shares a thousand it's words or something? Like, yeah, words there you go. Uh, and, and we have to realize our role and our responsibility when we step into uh, the Christian faith. We have to be responsible with that, be reconciled, as we talked about a few weeks ago, so that, that we can truly develop God's kingdom now and for all eternity. Well, you've mentioned James chapter 1 a few times, Drake, and I know that uh, you wanted to spend some time there today to uh, talk about this. So um, let's go ahead and go to James chapter 1, and and, uh, I'm just going to kind of sit back and and become a listener right now. This is going to be kind of an expository experience, and and I'm just going to let James speak for uh, himself, but now before we do this, let's kind of look at uh, the role of James uh, in this in this letter that he's writing. Because we know this, the apostle Peter, his role and responsibility was to truly communicate to the universal church, the overall church in the sense of that Christ movement that was happening 
in his day and age. And we can even say the universal church, now this is dangerous, but that is, that's where the word Catholic came from, mm-hmm. uh, the universal church. And of course, we know Peter, uh, in the pure sense, is uh, the founder or the, the, the primary leader of uh, the, that movement. And he was responsible to speak towards the universal church. Now, on the other side of that, we have the Apostle Paul who is now responsible to speak to the local church. And we see 13 epistles, and of course, he's addressing churches in Philippi and and, in Corinth and uh, in Rome. And he is now uh, getting down to the nitty gritty, excuse me, the nitty gritty. That's going to be the new term in my book, by the way. (laughs) I'm going to use it now. Uh, In the sense of let's get into the general church. Let's get to these local families, this local church, and help them resolve some of the challenges that they're going through so that then we can become one because there's a lot of Christians or churches that want to do it their way. I'll do what I want because I think I'm all that in a bag of Doritos with a Mountain Dew on the side. So Paul's responsibility or that role and responsibility is to truly uh, help resolve that, have that uh, embrace those problems and have the spirit of resolve so we can get back to the purpose of God. Mm-hmm. And so we have Peter on the one side, we have Paul, but then we have James. Now James has a difficult, difficult job because he's now, he speaks to the scattered church. Okay. And so rather than explaining that, so with that, uh, let's think of that, uh, this, uh, this letter now, excuse me, the first chapter, we're not going to go through the whole letter or the whole writing. We're going to uh, just look at James 1, but understand he's speaking to uh, Christians now. We call them sideline Christians today, but they're scattered. Uh And with that, uh, with that lens on, let's see what James has, has to say to the scattered church where they're not keeping their word anymore. So James 1, verse 1, reads this way. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes now scattered among the nations, he says greetings. So we know his audience all and right. John, don't you think, uh, I mean, this is our reality today because we have a lot of Christians who uh, want to claim God as, as uh, you know, as their perspective. And uh, they, they even want to claim Christ as their functionality. But when you see them uh, or when you hear them speak their words and, and live out their life, uh, they're orphans in that. Mm-hmm. And so here, here we can relate because, yes, it was true in James's day, but it's as true today as it was then. And so we get to verse 2 here, and James is going to be talking about trials and and temptation that this scattered church is now dealing with, and he's going to give the reason why. Now he says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, so we know he's speaking to Christians. Right. Not speaking to a lost world. Whenever you face trials, so now they're suffering, of many kinds— Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, period there. Now, we know this with Paul's teaching. Perseverance is one aspect of salvation. Paul said, work out your salvation. We know there's different 
uh, elements to salvation. There's justification, there is adoption, there's regeneration. Uh, let's see if I can get through these. Uh, there is sanctification, glorification, and then we have perseverance, what James is talking about here. Because they've stepped out, really, of their salvation in the sense of not the justification aspect. Once saved, always saved. That's why James says, brothers and sisters. But you're not persevering and you're not helping the cause of Jesus. You're not learning how to get through these trials and sufferings. And so he goes on in verse 4 and says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. There's a lack of integrity right there. Not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom now, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Now, let me pause here. Most people cannot define wisdom. I need to go back. John, you're looking straight at me in my eyes. Let me give you the definition of wisdom so that we understand what it is because there's a lot of misunderstandings or misinterpretation of wisdom. Wisdom is simply this. Wisdom is thinking and acting like Jesus, utilizing knowledge, experience, understanding, common sense, and insight. Okay. And so how important is that? We won't go in that direction as you can, as you sense and can see, there's a whole message there. But notice the first word I said, utilizing knowledge. And that's where the objective word of God comes in, in the sense of his revelation that sits outside of your feelings and your intuition and all of that. And so, my goodness, uh, we can go there, but we will not. That will be another time. Right. And look forward to that because that is such a wonderful topic. But here again, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Verse 6, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Do you think a lot of scattered Christians today are doubting, John? Absolutely. Because the one who doubts is like a wave on the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Okay, you come into God's direction. Uh, then you come out of it because of the newscast, or uh, this CNN says this, and you come over here and you listen to Fox, and you're all over the place, or your mommy and daddy, whatever your feelings are telling you, you're blown all over the place because you're not locked into God the Father's perspective. Verse 7, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. We have a lot of Christians out there uh, with their opinions in, in this act all this activity going on and they're not doing anything. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, I never knew you folks. Verse 8, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. I don't need to say anything, John. The Word of God is speaking for itself. What do you Amen think? Amen to that. Verse 9, believers in humble circumstances now, humble yourself, ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wild flower verse 11 for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant its blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed in the same way the rich will fade away even while they go about their business verse 12 blessed is the one who perseveres 
under trial or that suffering because having stood the test. You're growing and developing and suffering through the teachings and all of that. That person will receive the crown of life, their fulfillment, their success that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil or bad, nor does he tempt anyone with it. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires, those own uh, preferences, their own opinions, their own worldview, and enticed. Verse 15, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. James is uncovering the problem. Christian, 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 quit being scattered and get out there. Own the perspective of God the Father and make sure that you are functioning in a way that gives honor to Jesus, the Son of God, developing that character so that you can perform in a way that truly, truly uh, gives honor to God and serves humanity. Now, I know we're running out of time, but I'm going to say this quickly. Let's see what James says at this point and what we need to do. My dear brothers and sisters now, take not, uh, excuse me, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Christian, do you know how to listen? Right. Something to think about. Slow to speak. Do you have self-control? And slow to become angry. Quit casting judgment on everybody and trying to condemn them and execute them the moment you have a conversation. Verse 20, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires, that right living, proving yourself to be true. Verse 21, therefore, one of my favorite words, (laughs) get rid of all moral filth. Moral filth means you're not in line with Jesus's moral teachings that we see through the commands, those wonderfully weird commands of Christ, and the evil that is so uh, prevalent, and humbly accept the word, plant it in you. There's God, uh, the Father's perspective, and God the Son's teachings, which can save you. Verse 22, do not merely listen to words, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it, what's the next word? Do John, what it says. Do what it says, people. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. That's called vain living, emptiness living. Uh, I'll do what I want living. Verse 25, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law, that's the word of God, of course, that gives freedom and continues in it, not uh, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed. That means happy as well in what they do. Are you happy? Are you blessed in what you do? Are you just in this, this continuing state of suffering and misery, death? Verse 26, and we're going to wrap it up here. Those who consider themselves religious. Ouch. Yes. 
We're not after religious truth. We're after total, complete truth, integrity. And yet do not keep it, uh, keep a tight rein on their tongue, deceives themselves. And their religion, their religion, their religion is worthless. Religion that God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this. Are you ready, folks? To look after orphans. Now think about orphans. They don't have the father's direction in their life. It's been, uh, the father's been killed. And widows, widows, think of the bride of Christ here, uh, is not functioning in the way that God, the, uh, in a way that's founded or grounded in God the Father's perspective, in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by this world. Whew. James wow. chapter 1, and there's a lot there, but it comes back to, understanding that we first and foremost cannot be orphans in our faith meaning we've lost god the fathers or even our parents we can say our parents there god the father and the church the bride of christ is completely god uh, we cannot lose sight of that we've got to keep our word christian and remember this is speaking to the christian who is scattered now among the nations Back then, yes, in James, but it's today as well. And so with that, uh, a widow is nothing more than you've lost your husband. And now you're functioning in a way uh, that is not in, in line with God the Father. You, you might claim to be a Christian church, but the direction of God's ultimate goodness is not there. And you, you have programs, you're doing everything you believe you need to do through the values of Christ, but you see life through the lenses of evil or badness or bad direction. You think this world is nothing more than a bunch of sinners and we're just sitting here suffering in the sense of waiting for God the Father to come back, or excuse me, God to come back so he can fix everything. No, no, no. We are to follow God the Father's direction with God the Son's functionality which is the church the bride of christ so that we can perform in a way that will always bring glory to god and serve humanity so that then we can be a blessing and live out that ultimate goodness god expected us to live in the first place wow uh you made it easy on me this week Drake. <laughs> good <laughs> i just sat back and listened and and uh taking notes and such well uh hopefully this causes folks to uh, really take a look at themselves yes. and ask that question, am I keeping my word? Am yes. I living in integrity? Yes. And wow. wow, yes. And so with that, I hope that was a blessing and that you'll truly make a decision. Everyone listening, uh, if you're there, good, keep your word. But those that are listening and you know who you are, please, please, please consider this and get connected so you're no longer an orphan or a widow. Uh, in the faith. All right. Well, Drake, uh, have a great time out in Los Angeles and San Diego, and we'll see you when you get back. Oh, I, I will give you a great report when I get back. I'm excited for that. Thank you, John. Very good. All right. That's it for this week. We'll join you again next week on Wonderfully Weird Living. Thank you for joining us once again this week. If you would like to learn more or have any questions or comments, please feel free to email Pastor Drake at wonderfullyweirdliving at gmail.com. 
To obtain your own copy of the book Wonderfully Weird, please log on to www.wonderfullyweirdliving.com and click on the button that says Buy the Book. Now, for Pastor Drake Hunter, I'm John Waters wishing you a wonderfully weird week.